Hello and welcome to the podcast Lotus Eaters 768 on today, Monday, the 23rd of October. It's the beginning of the week, but October is almost over, and that means payday is almost here. So I'm thrilled about that. I hope you're all looking forward to getting your monthly cash injections watching at home. And I'm today joined by Dan. Hello. And Connor. Hello, I'm not dead. People, people in the YouTube comments are going, where's Connor for the last three weeks? I didn't die or was sacked yet. I went to Conservative Party Conference and then Japan. Both are very fun. Oh, sounds very lovely. Well, today we're going to be talking about big tech's censorship dilemma, the ethno-religious conflict that we shouldn't have to deal with, and I'm going to be discussing the real victims of America's fake racism narrative. Is there anything you'd like to add? Anything we need to plug before we get started? Well, or- really, payday is, is early in the month, isn't it? It's whenever the dividends come out. This sounds like high-level executive talk. That this I is would- why you're paid for brokenomics and we just talk about comics. Yeah, uh, I don't think Connor and I are um, have any dividends accessible to us at the moment. Oh, so okay. more than anything, right. right then, Dan, that was just a flex that rubbed in our poverty. <laughs> Thank you very much for that. With that, let's get into yeah. it before you make me any more sad. Um, well, I, I, I might do that with this segment because um, let's talk about um, the big tech's um, censorship dilemma that they've got going on with the with the EU. So we start with this um, with this tweet that sort of sets this up from a EU commissioner. Uh, Ferry Breton, who apparently is, is one of the EU commissioners, um, but it's not just him. So he, he's saying here, look, we, we've got to get this working group together to discuss um, enforcement of the Digital Service Act, the DSA. Um, he's saying this is now law in Europe. It must be respected, you know, respect my authority kind of thing. And um, uh, Ursula's on it as well, another EU commissioner. We're bringing European values into the digital world. Um, that's more true than it appears at, at first glance, actually. I'll come back to why. Uh, with strict rules on transparency and accountability in our Digital Services Act, aims to protect our children, societies, and democracies. I would briefly point out that as an EU commissioner, she's not elected. Well, can I also say that the idea of European values sounds farcical on the face of it, but it does give me hope, because obviously this is an attempt to conduct German-style control of the internet, but I hope they're very Italian in their enforcement. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, European values, I mean, you just think sort of people marching with very high boots, don't you? Some of them. I think some of them having a siesta at yes. the end of the day. So that's it's it's Anglo values are the good ones. Yeah. But everything that's come out of France and Germany has just been a disaster. Much. So uh, yeah. Um, as of today, very large online platforms must apply these new laws. Um, so you know that's that's basically the um, the issue we've got. Actually, before before we come on to, to why that's such a problem, I just want to plug something, which is our website. We so, have one. Yes. Yes. So if you don't like watching on YouTube because YouTube are uh, censorious bastards, as we are currently talking about, if you go to our website, you can watch the podcast live um, or you can watch it later, but you can watch the full version without all the censorship that we have to cut out because the bits that we can't put on YouTube if we don't want to get yeeted. You also get an extra half hour of comments every day, which you can yes. send if you pay us, which please do because it yes. helps keep the business. You, you don't need to pay. You can just watch it on there and yes. people should sign up and bookmark it at least, at least bookmark it, even if you do watch on YouTube because one day you'll, you'll wake up and we will just be gone because of because of this issue that we're talking about. Right. So, um, yeah, so this is the thing. Uh, Digital Service Act. Now, um, oh, where's the scrolly thing? Here it is. I've... Scroll, down, scroll down a little bit. Um, and we, we we get to what... The, so this is basically yeah. the, the big piece of... This, this is a scrolly thing. Oh, is it? This says down on there and up. You can hit oh. down and you can hit up. And ah. look, it's amazing. Yeah, all right, okay. Tech works, granddad. Yes, okay. So uh, now that I'm, I, I am not boomerang the tech anymore. Right, anyway. So so basically, this is the big piece of... The tech. 
The boomerang will continue as the morale improves. This is the big piece of legislation that they passed at the end of um, last year. Um, now, then, what they got to now is thinking, okay, well, how can we enforce this? Because basically, this gave them, you know, all these new digital powers that they are all looking for. So, um, yeah, let's see what their justifications are. Well, they're starting a ministry of truth. Well, essentially, I'm aware of that. They're creating a new part of the European Parliament or the European Commission in Brussels to be able to monitor this. Uh, I covered a bit of this last week. They're already looking to try and censure parts of Twitter and Elon yes. Musk because of the fact that there is lots of differing, varying information going on right now from the Gaza and Israel, pal- uh, Israel conflict going on right now. So you've got people from both sides saying, this is happening, no, this is happening, no, this is happening, contradicting one another constantly. We're in the middle of the fog of war, so who really knows outside of speculation from experts, and you don't know if you can trust the experts, but thank God, thank God, Ursula von der Leyen, Terry Bratton, and the rest of the European Commission have decided that they are the one true arbiters of truth yes. and can tell Elon where exactly the information is Well, when, when you say who knows, their answer to that is the EU Commission. Yes. They're the ones who know. So depending on their subjective evaluation of yes. some very, very uh, uh, questionable facts yes. that we get from both sides, because we're in the middle of a war, well, they're in the middle of a war, so propaganda will be mm. rampant on both sides. Thank God that Ursula von der Leyen and the others have appointed themselves the arbiters of truth. Yeah, they, they do actually make specific reference. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump around a bit now, but uh, let, let's go to this one. So um, this is a oh, this is the what that ferry Louis no ferry Britain ferry Britain. So so he basically wrote this sort of long letter trying to explain um, you know why they're doing this, and it, and it mentions that bit that you're talking about there, Harry. So so let me quote from it: Events in the Middle East triggered by Hamas terrorist attacks in Israel have raised the stakes even higher. The widespread dissemination of illegal content and disinformation linked to these events carries the clear risk of stigmatizing certain communities and destabilizing our democratic structures. Uh, not to mention exposing children to, to to violent content. So let's just deconstruct that. The democratic structures basically just means the far leftist radical consensus well, pe- that the people elites who want to have vote found against the mainstream in. is what he's concerned about there. So, well, yeah. so democracy is defined as the cozy, comfortable system that they all operate in, and they're not actually whatever the elites benefit from is democracy. Yes. Whatever they don't benefit from is fascism. Yes, is how it works. Yes, exactly right. But you know, just just to break that down. It, it, are you guys thinking of the Norm Macdonald joke when I just reread this line? The the events in the in the Middle East um, carries a clear risk of stigmatizing certain communities. Ah, uh, yes, it's the imagine what would happen if a bunch of radical Muslim terrorists snuck a dirty bomb into New York, detonated it, and killed yeah. millions of people, committed hundreds of atrocities. Wouldn't the blowback against law-abiding Muslims just be absolutely terrible? Yes. Yeah, yeah and, that, and that, that's you know exactly what he's gone to here. The, the the concern with the events in Israel is that it might stigmatize certain communities, and destabilize our democratic structures. Well, if you didn't mass import those certain communities into your democratic structure, the democratic structure wouldn't be unstable. Yeah, well, and also we don't have a democratic structure. We have a we have a um, sort of elitist structure. Oh yeah, an oligarchy layered over the top. Yes, but but the the issue they've got what 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 sort of brought this up in the news for me is because at the moment they are trying to put together uh, an enforcement structure. Going back to that first tweet, where basically they they can now they they've now set out that disinformation. Let me go back now to to the to the bit with the disinformation. Yeah, so you're so just dis- going to flash up the website every so often like subliminal messaging. <laughs> yeah, better than what they flashed up in um, Fight Club. No. So yes. 
Um, so I'm so look. The reason they say that they're doing it is to counter illegal content. So with the, with respect to this Hamas thing. So for example, presumably the the videos of Hamas killing people. That is what they're sort of proposing it as. I don't even know if you necessarily want to purge that from the internet, because I mean that's that's the reality of you know things like. Uh, I, I remember seeing some some horrific footage um, leaked out onto the internet after um, the, the Manchester Arena bombing. Do we really want to purge that completely? Because, I mean, this is the reality of, of multiculturalism. Well, what the, what but we the, don't, because it's the reality of multiculturalism. Yes. But the elites which wish to ossify the narrative and don't yes. wish... They want to have total narrative control and also ensure that dissenters can't have any credibility to their claims. Of course they want to expunge that. Yeah, what yeah. they're actually doing by... Well, they're trying to do it more subtly than just outright banning it. What they're essentially trying to do is ban independent journalism. Because mm-hmm. those people who are going to go on the ground and risk themselves going out and putting themselves in dangerous situations so they can get on the ground footage of what's going on, that footage, due to the new standards set by acts like this, will be deemed as either being extreme or too violent for consumption by children. Anything like that will be laid over as an excuse for why they can't put it out there when realistically the actual reason is just that we don't want people outside of the elite consensus being able to report on this and go and tell people what's actually going on. Because if you do that, then people might understand that they're being lied to. Well, it's it's the whole mindset that these people have of the the population of children, we need to protect them. So I mean, they do actually talk explicitly in some of this about um, effective safeguards for for children or or however they phrase it. Yeah, there it is right there on the screen. New obligations for the protection of minors on any platform in the EU. Bear in mind, these are the same people that are signed up to the UNAIDS principles that says that minors should be able to um, access gender-affirming care and consent. And these are the same people that would have stood by for years and years and years, allowed uh, allowed Twitter as it existed previously under its previous safety standards to exist without any of this kind of scrutiny. When, as we know, when Elon took it over, there was a massive controversy about the level of content on there that was exp- uh, depicting child sex, uh, child sexual, which he massively reduced. Yeah. Yeah. which Joel Roth didn't when he was in charge, and he wrote his PhD thesis on why children should be able to use Grindr. All of a sudden, somebody comes and takes charge of the institution who says, actually, I want there to be a more a greater measure of free speech allowed on the platform. That's all of a sudden when they want to protect children. Prior to that, when there was actual child sex exploitation going on on the platform, they either well, didn't my, say my anything, or they certainly yeah. didn't enact anything this my broader point is they actually treat all of us like children. They don't just treat the children like this. They, they treat all of us like this. We all need to be protected from information that they don't want us to have. Um, I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff in here about you know misinformation and disinformation. Um, Connor, you, you actually remember what the, what the difference is, don't you? Yeah, the Biden administration in their bill for AI rights, because they want total algorithmic control of the internet and government institutions, set out a series of definitions of disinformation, misinformation, and malinformation. And of course, everything's an American vassal states. We're operating by their definitions. So misinformation is false information unintentionally spread or intentionally spread by citizens on social media. Disinformation is false information spread by an enemy state as a means of propaganda to demoralize the citizenry during wartime. This is why they say it's a threat to our democracy. And right. malinformation is correct information shared outside the appropriate context. 
Who sets the appropriate context? Well, the stakeholders that form this policy, which is the regime-appointed experts that say, actually, we want to achieve racial equity here, so you can't bring up FBI crimes. So I've been through these documents, and they don't make any um, reference, or at least very little, to misinformation or malinformation. It's all disinformation. Right. But presumably, once you've given yourself a whole load of legal powers as to what you can do with disinformation... Um, which is, you know, um, uh, false information spread by enemy actors, which, you know, in theory, I can, I can kind of see that. It's very easy to then use that set of tools against misinformation, malinformation. And then it's a question of who do you, who defines what information is inaccurate spread amongst your citizens within your, within your sort of political debate and, and who decides which information is true but unhelpful and therefore needs to be Limited. There's a few problems with that as well. First of all, obviously, we know as with the Patriot Act, it was set up to originally police foreign actors and terrorists at work mm. in America. And it just ended up creating the NSA to massively spy and surveil on innocent yes. Americans. Then there's also the idea that, well, this malinformation, sorry, disinformation, obviously easily conflated. And they, they deliberately conflate the definitions because types like CNN will say that you're spreading disinformation even if you're a domestic actor. So just to, just to mm. sabotage you. But they'll also say you're under the influence of disinformation. For example, Trump being a Russian asset and the Russians won in the election. Or if we will stand up and clap in the Canadian parliament for an actual member of the SS, we can't fall for Russian disinformation. The implication yes. being that only the Russians would spread the conspiracy theory that we actually stood up in front of cameras and clapped for the SS. So they're so, not... But that, that's actually malinformation, isn't it? It would be, but they're not being honest about the definitions. And so even if yeah. they're only using disinformation as the pretext to crack down on this, they will expand the definitions just to surveil and censor you. Yeah. But no, the point I really kind of wanted to drive to with all of this stuff is the, the enforcement mechanism that they're going to grant themselves. So they're basically what they're going to do is they're set up, going to set up some sort of committee which is going to be behind closed doors and reports only to the EU Commission. So it's reporting... To, so we don't get to see who, who's on... Well, we might get to find out who's on this panel, but we won't get to, to get to see their their workings, their discussions, anything like that. Mm. It reports straight to the EU commissioner, like Ferry and... Um, I have a good authority. They report straight to Moloch. <laughs> Quite possibly. Or if there's a difference, really. Um, and they're going to be the ones deciding, okay, what is disinformation? And basically, they, they, they haven't published their criteria for judging, um, you know, to your point. So they can basically just say anything that they don't like now is disinformation and can be taken down. And they've given themselves some real teeth with this bill. Um, so they, they've defined the, the group that comes in for special attention, which is these very large online platforms, they call them. So it's basically... Lops. It's who you would expect. It's, it's, it's Google, Apple, Twitter. It's, um, you know, all... The, the, all of the, the organizations, ones. save for Twitter, who are more than happy to go along with this and probably help to fund the creation of these commissions. Well, so that, well, that's the thing. I mean, th this one I think has got because I'm not I'm not trying to make any case that you know Google and Apple and Microsoft are not pro censorship. They very much are, but I think they are pro censorship, but they um, can define themselves. So this is this is a sort of battle of control. This is an alien versus predator thing going on, where the EU is trying to say, no, we will be the ones who define it, not not you platforms, because we know these platforms are censorious. But the EU is trying to say, okay, well, we want to be the ones who decides what, what is censorious. And they're giving so, them... so who guts and disembowels me is my question, is the yes. question that we're asking. Yes. Which alien monstrosity is about to murder me? Uh, exactly right. And they're giving themselves some real teeth on this. So they can now find these very large um, online platforms, 6% of global, G, um, global revenues, mm. which is a huge amount. So take Google as an example. Go Google have got revenues about 280 billion. 6% um, of that is 17 billion. 
per fine, per instance of disinformation that they've decided is is you know information they don't want out there um, that that Google leaves up seventeen billion, please. So so they're going to want that, and then that then gets you into thinking, okay, so how is how is tech going to respond to this? And this is the interesting bit of this at the moment, which is why I wanted to talk about it, which is. Um, Google can come at this in a number of ways. Um, one, they could just pull out of Europe. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Yeah, the argument against that is, um, I reckon they've got about 60 billion revenues coming from, from Europe. It's difficult to tell because they report um, Europe, Middle East and Africa as one entity. But you know, it's, it's, it's roughly um, 60 billion of revenue coming from, from the EU, I would have thought. Um, yeah, do you, you, you don't want to lose that. But the problem is, is okay, well, let, let's play it out. Let's say they pull out of the EU. What are they doing there? Well, they are protecting themselves from the effect of this spreading elsewhere. Because if other, if other regulators see that the EU has crossed a line and you know, all the big tech pa- platforms pull out of Europe, that will basically stop this kind of level of censorship. And the, level of, the censorship will remain with the tech platforms where they want to keep it. They want to keep it with themselves. I don't know if that's going to play out that way just because even if they do a temporary withdrawal they will have to have some form of compliance infrastructure in the works in anticipation of this law and so if the EU implement this other places will start to implement nearly unanimous laws this is why everyone's doing the 2030 thing if it comes top down from some sort of think tank or an international body it ends up going everywhere eventually so, so also, G- GWPR is an example of that started in Europe and then it basic a version of it spread to the US there's country. something else to consider as well which is if they do not pull out and even if foreign countries do not implement these same uh, censorship laws then the organizations like Google like Twitter like Facebook they will all have implemented the new compliance uh, facilities to be able to comply with all of this, and then that will just get applied to every other country anyway. Yeah, that's why I made this comment on this one, which is when she says we're bringing European values into the digital world. That that is more true than it sounds because the way software works is they don't you don't want to have two parallel versions of the same sort. You basically software is you put an awful lot of money into writing really good code and then you basically run it across everything in the entire world. Mm. So if these EU censorship programs go into effect, even if it's just the EU. These big platforms will probably write their um, their code in such a way that it applies universally. So yes, yeah, she is right. The European censorship values are effectively being exported to the entire world. Yeah, they're they're, they're building themselves a European ban hammer, but all of a sudden, every yes. other country is going to look like a big juicy nail. And also, it's not like they aren't eager to comply with this because we covered this last year in October. But the intercept expose on the Biden administration for how they conduct themselves during COVID, you got the internal Slack channels. Uh, and various texts to Microsoft, Meta, and Twitter heads, where the Biden administration were making targeted requests to censor, shadow ban, and and outright ban yeah. posts and accounts down to Anthony Fauci parody accounts with minimal followers. Yeah. And all of the executives were happy to do so because they wanted the same trajectory of travel. They were just frustrated at the means of enacting it. So eventually, even even if this does become a squabble between the EU and Silicon Valley, it's only on the means of immiserating all of us. Yes. They all have the same intention. Yeah. So that, that's actually my second scenario. So the first scenario is that they pull out of the EU, which seems drastic. But my point is, you know, if they're earning 60 billion revenues from the EU and the cost of implementing this is, I don't know, um, a third or a quarter of that, at some point they think to themselves, okay, is it worth 
um, is it worth this market as opposed to you know protecting the rest of our market? So that's that's kind well, of you, my argument there. You've yeah. said that the revenue that they get from the EU for Google, for instance, is about sixty billion euros. Yep. So uh, even if dollars, they, yep. sixty billion dollars, yep. even if they do get fined for any reason, that six percent, seventeen billion, that's still in the green for them. Well, that, that's one. That's, that's one fine is seventeen. That's, that's one fine, but you can be sure that they wouldn't allow it to go past one single fine. So, well, so, from, so their, from their perspective, the risk calculation might just be that. Well, even if we do make one misstep, which will we'll make sure is only the one, then it's still we're still coming out in the positive. Form. Yeah, seventeen billion is a hell of a lot for one misstep. I mean, if if you could afford to get it down to I don't think one. they would allow to get themselves to, to make that misstep yeah. anyway. I think they would just go complete censorious. Yeah, well, this this is the second scenario. The second scenario is Uber compliance. And what I mean by that is every time they get a takedown request, they just implement it without even thinking about it. I mean, and anything that even looks like it might come close to the line or, or get a takedown request. specified that there's any kind of appeals process for these organizations if the EU potentially asks them to take down something that doesn't fall Okay, so, so weirdly, this document uh, this this uh, act does include some capacity to if if a YouTube video is taken down, for example, you could you've got new powers to be able to appeal it. Um, so there are there are ways for the individual to appeal against the platform if they feel the platform's made a mistake. There is no mechanism once the EU Commission has decided that something has to go for that to be appealed against. It is just gone. And as I'm saying, because the fines are so large in this in, in Google's case, it would be 17 billion. Of course, I think what's going to happen is they're going to go to Uber compliance, which is um, they just instantly take down stuff. Now, what that means is that the EU have handed themselves a tool where basically the the big tech companies have to choose between either pulling out of the EU or doing whatever they say, whenever they say. And what they've done is they've given themselves this ability to remove anything, and, they, and they're the ones who get to define what it is. So this is a basically total online censorship power for the EU. Well, it's funny you also say compliance. Reminder, the people that are policing this sort of stuff, the same kind of elites, who many of whom were in Jeffrey Epstein's little black book and on the calendar. So yep. do we really believe that they care about children's safety? And I oh, say no. this because we now have multiple instances where Instagram knowingly allows videos of young European women to be filmed without their consent on nights out, to be preyed upon by potential illegal boat migrants. Instagram redirects people that are clicking on hashtags that direct them towards child sexual exploitation material to say, we know that this directs you towards this material. Would you like to continue anyway? So they know it exists on their platform and face no repercussions. So all that happens is certain things are defined as needing policing and compliance. So misinformation or disinformation, whereas the actual child exploitation material will go overlooked and that won't be fined. So Google can allow the most heinous stuff, meta, etc., on their platform to still exist and not face a fine, but they can still police the exact narrative that both Silicon Valley and the European Union want to crack down on. So that's why I don't think actually the fine power is as much of a worry for them yeah. as you maybe make out. So there is there is bits in there um, along the lines of what you're talking about. So that so it talks about um, the risks that they're most worried about. Disinformation, obviously, that's a bit that's that's a particular concern. Election manipulation. So which this, I've been told has never happened. Yeah, that's that's the funny thing, isn't it? Um, election uh, interference has never happened. But we did in 2016. 2016. Maybe the Bush one as well. Apparently. And then and then it never happened after that. Yes. Um, but cyber violence against women is what you're talking about there, and harms to harms to uh, to minors online. Again, so, defining harms very loosely there. 
Yeah. So if it was just those latter two, if this bill was all about cyber violence against women, you know, I'd, I'd still have concerns over who's who's defining that and all the rest of it and harms to to, to minors and children and the on and the um, the illegal stuff like the child porn and the Hamas shooting videos and stuff like that. If it was just that, you know, I don't think anyone would have that much of a problem with it. I mean, there's still there's still issues around the edges. But it's all this bit that, you know, which is the key bit, which is the disinformation, the election, uh, the election. Um, what do they call it? Manipulation. Crisis response mechanism in serious threat of public health and security crises. So the next yeah, pandemic, yes. you can't question the narrative. Again. Yes. Right. As they continue to redefine climate change as being a health condition that you can actively suffer from, mm. then any m- amount of skepticism will be continually deplatformed and censored. And you're told that not only are you spreading malinformation, you're actively hurting other people's health. Same with misogyny and incel violence. So yeah. there goes half your segments, Dan. Uh, well, yes. Oh God, that's a shame. But yeah, so so this is the tussle I wanted to point out. I wanted to point. I'm not saying that big tech is not pro censorship. They are, and the EU is obviously pro censorship. But there is this tussle going on to be aware of, where um, the EU is saying no, we are the censors, and big tech are saying no, we are the censors, and they're both kind of fighting over this rope at the moment as to as to who gets to be. The, the ultimate arbiter of this censorship. It's better for us if they're squabbling, actually. That's a good observation. Yeah. Uh, possibly. Not possibly, if they're, yeah. It slows not, it not, down. <laughs> yeah. It slows it down, but not if their squabbles just, conf- uh, just result in the same thing anyway, just sure. a month or two down the line. Oh, wow, I get an extra month of being able to say the things that I need to. Yeah. But then, you know, by so the end of it, they end up stronger because they're both completely in collusion with one another. So there is a good outcome from this, which is the big tech companies say, though, this is, this is too onerous and therefore we're going to pull out the EU. Um, and that breaks the regulatory momentum on this kind of stuff. And also it fosters a whole bunch of new EU-based competitors who can then emerge, who will then be below the threshold and all that kind of stuff. So that's a golden scenario. Don't think that's probably going to happen. Yeah. The other one is that um, big tech responds to this by saying, "Okay, fine, um, we do our censorship, you do your censorship, and we're both just censored together," which is probably more likely. Ultra compliance. Yes, it's a bit of a shame. We shouldn't have to deal with this, should we? No, would, no, would be nice. Yeah. All right, then. I suppose on to the next one. We can do the uh, tab. Wonderful, fantastic. Um. Speaking of things we shouldn't have to deal with, are you aware there's apparently a war on in some desert someplace? I had heard. Uh, yeah, I've been, I've been informed. I was on holiday when it decided to happen. And then my controversial take on this that is going to affect absolutely everything, considering people keep asking me, is I don't think babies that have nothing to do with it should be blown up. Um, thanks for the TED Talk. That's a really impactful thing that I can put on a placard. Don't I feel good? I haven't thought of it like that, but now you say it, I I, I think I'm inclined to agree, actually. Yes, I know. It's a really contentious take. Um, Overall, frankly, I don't care about the long-standing conflict that both of these religions that I neither ascribe to have. I don't want to pay for it. I just don't want innocent civilians on either side getting killed, but my opinion in that influences nothing. I also don't want... People who seem to be very motivated on either side, particularly the side that's really happy about a bunch of innocent people being massacred at a concert, marching through my city streets when they should have no right to be here. Unfortunately, the immigration policies of our elites that have been conducted since before I was born have brought this issue to our shores. And so I'm going to go through a bunch of videos that I've been seeing on Twitter recently over the last couple of weekends that show a lot of people very invested in the conquest of a terrorist state of some region in the Middle East and hopefully the creation of a global caliphate, celebrating it in my home city. And, and when you say um, lots of people slaughtered at a concert, you talk about the Manchester Arena bombings. 
Oh, no, we couldn't mention that. We can't look back in anger, Dan. Oh, right, so, yeah. It's, cause I, it's just, be, I noticed, can't retaliate on that one. Because that one, we, we had to hold up candles saying don't look back in anger. But yeah. the other one, for whatever reason, there's well, an out That, that one, in, in particular, the British security state had all sorts of psyops going on and ready to go in the background for yes. when it inevitably did happen because they were already aware that they knew it was going to happen eventually. Something like that because our own state despises us. If, if, if only the security thinking that went into stopping it in the first place was as good as making us forget it after it has already happened. Mm, that would be fantastic. But then again, if you recognise that it's a problem, you wouldn't be yes. able to manufacture consent for the immigration policy that is slowly grinding down Britain into multicultural sludge and makes us easier to control, mm. which I find quite intolerable. I, I also think it's important to remember as we go through this that a lot of the people who are out in the streets that we'll be looking at in a moment celebrating this and protesting in favor of Palestinians are not themselves Palestinian mm. and are from countries who have outright stated that no, we will not be taking any Palestinian refugees if Israel does just decide to pave over all of the all of the West Bank. Yeah, so there's a twofold on that one. One, lots of them are actually the children of first-generation immigrants, so they're kind of LARPing. Two, lots of them are committed to the global Ummah, which is essentially the international Muslim race, as they would conceptualize it, even though various factions and nationalities of Muslims don't like each other, like the Jordanians and the Egyptians won't take in any Palestinian refugees because they know the kind of Despite character... the Jordanians probably being the closest to having any sort of claim that they should take yes. them in. Well, that's a three-state solution, isn't it? Egypt gets Gaza and Jordan gets the West Bank and both Jordan and Egypt are like, no way. No way we're taking them. Well, I think the people who are protesting for this right now in the West are mainly, one, doing it for ethnic solidarity reasons yep. and two, doing it because they know that whether or not they're from com coming from a country that their own countries wouldn't take in, say like the Egyptians and the Jordanians and other people in this country, um, they know that a massive influx of Palestinian Muslims gives them an even greater share of power in these countries because that's an even larger voting block. That's more people from Islamic territories that can join in part of their ethnic enclave. Oh, yeah, and that's, that's definitely one of the two remaining motivations I was going to mention. One, pure political expediency. I mean, even Marx, a couple of hundred years ago, recognised Islam was a great vanguard revolutionary force to destabilise a culture to make it easily capturable by his brand of socialism. Quiet part out loud. Yeah, yeah, essentially so. Um, and also the sort of self-flagellationing white guilt of they're brown, so they must be good from, from various leftists. And there is also a genuine anti-Semitism angle because some of them do just want to hate and kill Jews. 20 see. pictures that will make white liberals go, OMG, let's throw away civilization. Yes, have you considered we can't have borders because I am crying? Anyway, speaking of things that we can't tolerate, if you'd like to subscribe to the website, as little as £5 a month, you'll get content like this, which is Josh's Contemplation series, which in this episode, he and Stelios explain Karl Popper's paradox of tolerance and how it is exploited for things like repressive tolerance by Herbert Marcuse. And go and investigate that in your own time. But here, on the topic of things that I can't stand, let's open with... There was a giant call to prayer ceremony held outside Downing Street. Now, bear in mind, in this country, which has an official established church, the Anglican Church, we currently are arresting Christians for silently praying in their head on the wrong street corner if they're in the proximity of an abortion buffer zone. Yeah. But you can, after 203 people from varying countries, including the UK, have been abducted by Hamas, after women have been raped, after people have been blown up, after people have been murdered at a pop concert, you can go out in response to that and say, Allahu Akbar, I guess. I can just say, thank God there wasn't a truck of peace on that street. Yes. Well, obviously, we wouldn't wish violence on any of these men, but as we'll see, um, lots of the words they're using are wishing violence on 
us. I just want to demonstrate that straight outside the hall of power, we have a genuflection to a foreign culture while also arresting people that are practicing our own national religion. Um, the current conservative government is not your friend because they are allowing this to happen literally here on their doorstep. But, but all right then. So then, flash forward to this past weekend. So we've had about 100,000 people descending on London. There are also other protests in Birmingham, Manchester, Leeds, Salford, Dublin, Cardiff, you know, the epicenters of multiculturalism where diversity is definitely the strength. They came to protest what exactly? Hamas not killing more? Because there is an undercurrent here that, again, even if you have legitimate criticisms of Israel, I don't want to be given foreign aid to any country. I don't love Israel any more than I love India or Canada, for example. But part of the problem here is that this is in direct response to a bunch of innocent civilians getting butchered. So you can just imply that they're saying they deserved it. Well, in, in answer to your in answer to your question, you know, why are they doing it? I think the the what you said the the sentence before that was you know a show of strength. I mean, this is it, this is all a show of strength. Mm. It is you know we we are um, we are believers. Um, you know, look at how powerful and how many of this there are. The, the media collusion in this as well is it pisses me off, right? Okay. No, sorry, Connor. Do you mind? If oh yeah. Do you want to go back to the title? Is yeah, that what you were going to bring just up? Just go, yeah. just go back. I was going to mention the that. absolute disgusting lies being spread here by just framing it as Brits march for Palestine. Average British man. <laughs> yes. Brits yeah. march for Palestine. You. Yeah. No, no. But foreigners that hate us. Let's call that. it what it is. They believe in a foreign ideology that is antithetical to the tradition and religion of England. And even if they are second generation immigrants, they would clearly be happier somewhere else because they're calling for an Islamic Republic. I suggest we give them what they want, not by bringing it here, but by permanently deporting them elsewhere. Because that is the only way you bring a peaceful resolution, which we all want for this particular conflict. Because they don't want peace, they want violence. And they're literally calling for it. And I'm, I just wanted to include this particular article because the Daily Mail does some good on the ground stuff where they just compile a bunch of images from, I mean, look at the amount of people turning out for this. No, I would, I would just like to say, you didn't see the outrage here from people of this ethnicity when there were reports about the grooming gangs and they came out and said, oh, don't characterize all of us as this. You know, this, this, this wasn't happening. There wasn't a show of solidarity for all the white girls being raped by Pakistani men. Yeah, but, but there was a solidarity and ethnic solidarity of silence. Yes, because there's two ways to show ethnic solidarity. One, which is to go out publicly and protest in in favor of all of the people that you associate yourself with, and there's key, uh, there's closing ranks and keeping quiet about wrongs that you know people that you are associated with within your Islam within your religious or ethnic group. When they've done something wrong, you stay silent about it. You shut your mouth because you know that that can reflect badly on you. With this, they know that they have complete collusion with the media class and with the political class to get away with this. Because if you had any sort of, of, of similar protests going on, say, for instance, British groups decided to come out and protest in these kinds of numbers what goes on in Zimbabwe and what happens to the white populations of South Africa, the police wouldn't just crack that down. You would have yeah. the riot police. You would have the special forces come out waving guns at these people because it would be classified as an act of nationalist terror. It would be classified as an act of white supremacist, white nationalist terror because we are not allowed to show ethnic uh, solidarity. We are not allowed to have ethnic preference. We are only allowed to have outgroup preference. And not just and that. disgusts me. The conspiracy of silence is mandated from the top because when you said shut their mouths, remember, Naz Shah, who after she retweeted an Owen Jones parody account saying that the women and girls who had been raped by Pakistani Muslims 
in cities like Manchester had to shut their mouths for the sake of diversity. After she had shared that, she didn't face discipline. She was appointed head of community cohesion by the Labour Party. This is sanctioned by the regime. So it is fine for native British girls to be abused by immigrants. But as soon as the immigrants... blown up. Yes. As soon as the immigrants come and march in the street for other people getting blown up overseas, then the police take a very light touch and actually, as we'll see, an even heavier-handed touch to the people that showed up and went, right. ooh, bit, yes. bit far, lads. Yeah, I know. Oh, I was going yeah, to mention that, that as well. So, so no pride in apartheid, LGBT plus, plus for a free Palestine. Also, they, I mean, yes. no, no pride in Palestine either, these people might be shocked to discover. Yeah, this is just a sign saying lambs for slaughter. Well, in Gaza, they do have a um, sort of gravity-assisted um, transition program for, for the T's at least. Oh, wait, it's in the Salford Keys as well. I yep. went to university right here. This is the media city. That's where the BBC in the background. Yes. Yeah, the BBC like, building. The people I went to university with probably worked there and were probably in this crowd. Well, yeah, I'd, I'd imagine a decent number of those people are administrators or are retarded employees of one of those two buildings. Students. Future producers who will not be calling Hamas terrorists as is the editorial mandate over at the BBC. Actually, I'm glad you brought the LGBT thing. I'm going to skip ahead one link and go back to it because um, someone decided to show up showing intersectional solidarity at the Trafalgar Square protest in London with an LGBT sign. And one diversity took the sign, the, the Progress Pride flag, and as you can see here, he, he, he nicks it off them and decides to run around and trample on it on the street. As uh, Lois said, friend of the show, admiration isn't always mutual. Turns out they're not, no. they're not, they're not on board with the current I'd say the only foreign aid that I would be in favour was if we took our foreign aid budget and every time somebody waved a flag, which was like, you know, LGBTQ for Palestine, is that we immediately flew them out to, you know, Gaza, and uh, you know gave gave them a flag and said, right, well, you know, go go give that a wave, see what happens. I couldn't endorse violence in that, Dan. But of course, because well, no, I sure, actually recognise sure what goes on in Gaza, unlike yes. these well, people. Well, you, you saying that implies that there there would be some kind of guaranteed violence committed to that person for doing such a thing. And I thought that Palestine and other parts of the Middle East are uh, better than that. Mm. Uh, oh, this is what at least the protesters are trying to tell us. But excuse but this me, is, this is so sad. This is the capital of our country. It's on Nelson's it's, column. Yes, and what we what we see here is a huge horde of you know um, people committed to, to foreign, foreign barbarians, religion, foreign barbarians. Yeah, um, basically putting on a show of force you know, on, on our you know central landmark and and desecrating it as well. I mean, they've decided to spray graffiti, leave litter everywhere. As TPU guys document, um, go give them a follow. They're fantastic in doing this stuff. Absolute gentlemen, and they they literally graffiti Nelson's column. You know, symbol of British victory, all of our heritage. No, free Palestine. Just graffitied on it after you're standing on it and throwing stuff all over it. Uh, and speaking of our capital city, um, that Sadiq Khan has made excellent um, TFL, which I have to brave every day. There was a tube driver who actually led a chant of free Palestine over the tannoy on the tube. Um, he's been since referred to the British Transport Police. I don't expect he'll lose his job, going to be honest. I mean, it's maybe, very maybe difficult it's going to be a to lose their job. They've got a very strong union. Yeah. Again, wh- wh- why? What? Why? Why is there a population that exists to pack tubes out that you wish to placate for this kind of sentiment? Do you mind if I said, if I play some of the audio? Yeah, sure, please. hearing. Yes. Yeah, of course. Well, well the, 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 as you said, there is a show of ethnic solidarity on display within this tube carriage. It doesn't matter about the character of Hezbollah and Hamas. It matters about 
all be the same color and all be the same religion and all they furthering the same goal. Well, like, well, well, there's there's one thing about it as well, which is that they they know that they can get away with it, and they know that on a certain level, this will there are white people. I know, shocking in London, on that tube carriage that they're on right there, and they will know that on a certain level, whether or not these people say that they are, you know, completely in favor of all of the current thing. It makes them uncomfortable because there comes to a certain point when you recognize a tipping point in ethnic representation in your street, in your city, where your brain, consciously or not, will recognize, hold up, I'm in the minority in here. I'm in danger here because you will recognize one way or not, other peoples do not have the same behavioral standards. They do not have the same standards of, shall we say, a fair fight. Well, I, I went, comes through, to I went through that process. Whereas British ago, yeah. people, generally speaking, in the Tucker Carlson way, the Anglo-Saxon fighting standards tends to be you take a man one-on-one -on -one in honorable combat. Mm. Uh, foreign people have no aversion to ganging up on other people. So you know that there is a certain aspect of this where they're taking a pleasure in cheering along this because they see it as a display an, of dominance. It's a display of dominance. It's an aggression against the native white population. Whether people want to say that you're reading too much into it, Harry, that's racist of you to think, Harry. That's the fact of it. That's no, the it, honest it, truth. It isn't of reading it. too much into it. This image here shows basically in our central capital, if you say something objectionable, if someone says something objectionable and you want to stand up against it based on British values, you will be outnumbered. So this this is a visual demonstration of what census data have been telling us for ages, and the violence that will come as a consequence is going to be inevitable. Yeah, so, so I, mean, what I was just going to say, you know, I went through this a few years ago. When I started off living in very central London and eventually sort of kept on moving further and further out, trying to find somewhere um, sensible. I'll, I'll just put it like that. And, and eventually realised there is nowhere. So even if you're moving out to, um, you know, the end of the tube line, you, you you can't get there. You basically have to you have to give up and leave. There are some very expensive and gated communities within London that still have somewhat. Yeah, and and I and I know people. Yeah, I know people who population live in those. of the natives, but they're ridiculously expensive. Yeah, but I, I know I know people who live in those. Um, when is what what do they do when they want to buy a pint of milk? They they end up leaving these gated communities and ending up um absolutely surrounded and and like i mean i won't go into it now because we've got time but i can give you some examples of you know um these people who, who live in these gated communities who suddenly found themselves absolutely surrounded by um what should we call them urban or scholar scholarly gangs mm. well all you need to do is go on to the ukdrill.com website to mm. find a map that they give you of the territories of these scholarly gangs which the met police are more than well aware of these people write songs about the scholarly activities they get up to, and the Met do nothing. Well, let's speak about the Met Police, actually. And I'm, I'm speaking, funnily enough, as one of those people that lives on the fringes of London, because I live on the Kent side of it, where we don't have a tube line. And even then, you can start to see the diversity and enrichment creeping in. So yeah, that's more or less where I ended up. Lord yeah. knows where I'll end up eventually. So the police did show up to monitor the march, and uh, they got chased off by a bunch of teenagers shouting. <sighs> yeah, because they weren't willing to step in. Because fundamentally... They there's, are enough, there's enough of them to, to right. If, but they if, don't that want was, if that was a, if that was a COVID protest, yes. with that many guys, they would be running in with batons and they'd be having a whale of a time. Specifically, the Muslim woman that supported um, terrorism and said kafars are drinking out of my cup would have been hitting them with batons. So this is why the police fundamentally they either disagree with it, and there are elements within the police that that 
endorse the message of the protest, which we know because they have been waving the flags, they dropped the English language requirement in some places, so they are just trying to conscript various foreign nationals that agree with the ideology, or they're so petrified with diversity, inclusion, and equity indoctrination that they're worried about being perceived as racist if they step in, even when abuse and actual objects are being hurled at them. And they did, they, they, they not only that, there were people breaking the law here. This fella decided to ascend the scaffolding. This is right near Tottenham Court Road, actually. I was there last night. And it's, it's public street. He decides to climb up the scaffolding, a private building, comes down. The police are holding his flag for him and just give it back and just say, oh, naughty boy. Oh, that's that again. Can I, can I speak for a moment on the subject of the escape attempts that uh, you, for instance, Dan, and some of your friends trying to make of these particular areas of London, which are becoming completely, they're becoming an ethnic deluge of uh, mixed and multi-cultures who, it turns out, don't always get along with one another. Exhibit similar antisocial behavior. This is one of the reasons that, while I understand the utility to a certain extent of, say, building more houses for the purposes of property prices in the UK, um, I am very against the idea because Populations like this, when they come to our countries, they congregate in the large urban zones. And the more you destroy the green areas of Britain and you take the small rural areas and you continually urbanize them and urbanize them and urbanize them, at first, yes, you will find that they will be places where the exodus of people coming from towns and cities like London will be going to. But what you're creating is more and more nexus points for these kinds of populations to spring up in the few parts of Britain which are still relatively untouched by it. Well, well I'm in favour of both deportations and building a few more houses. Yeah. I mean, uh, but I mean, there are plenty of things that you could do. It doesn't, it well, doesn't I'm, even... I'm saying with the way that the country is at the moment and with the potential of uh, who knows, a million plus Palestinian refugees coming yeah. in. God, if, if we do that, 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 no... that would be ridiculous. But I mean, there, there are some fairly low effort things that aren't going to be too triggering for the for the soft liberal um, establishment. For example, you know that you could apply um, animal um, uh, animal butchering laws uniformly, which is basically to say outlaw outlaw, outlaw, outlaw hallow meat. meat. Yeah, you could do that. You, a couple of changes to the welfare system. Um, that, that don't, don't incentivize you bringing people in. You, there was a few things that you could do that would turn that mass influx into, into a trickle or possibly but an outflow. One of the things is you have to learn is they don't want to. And I'm not saying you, yes. I'm saying to yes. the audience at home, those who maybe stumbled across this channel haven't seen our segments before, the police are there in numbers, in force. They to knew protect it was happen. these people. Yeah. That's what they're not actually there for. to protect you for. from them. They endorse both the message and the means of the protest. And so they are applying the law intentionally, unequally, to get their desired result of keeping you afraid and unable to mount an opposition to the deluge of diversity changing the demographics and the culture of your communities. Well, well ultimately, the, the police exist to make sure that you pay up um, your taxes to the state. And if the state feels that it can get more tax revenue by importing people, then, then they will support that as well. Even if said of imported populations decide to just openly attack and fight with the police. There's, yep. Again, there's, there's five minutes of this of where they're just lobbing objects at them, punching them, surrounding them. Was there a report of how many of these people were arrested? Ten. Ten. And, and again, ten of a hundred thousand. By the way, you compare that to the again the lockdown protests, yep. which which I, I try to go on as many of them as I can. The lockdown protests were uniformly um, peaceful and well mannered, yeah, and we got attacked well. by the police repeatedly. Uh, and, and, they, and they didn't hold back in the slightest. And yet here we are, 
with a bunch of group attacking them and they get they get the kid gloves. Yeah, well, disgusting. Five, five, uh, TPUK again, five police were, were injured, only 10 arrests total. The Met Police uh, decided to, to comment on this. Uh, they said, as you can see, the numbers in Whitehall have reduced dramatically towards the end of the day. We thank everyone for their cooperation. And only made one arrest in relation to an incident last week. That was that was the prior one as well. Oh, one arrest. Oh, how how victorious. Only that, one arrest. That, that was a choice. Yes, because we can see all the criminal behaviour on display on video. Mm. So you making one arrest isn't a victory, isn't demonstration of low criminality in an orderly protest. It's demonstration that you tacitly agree with the message and the means of conducting the protest. And again, they, they, they were disrespecting the Senator, the war memorial that allows this country, the, the men that fought for it, that allows the country to exist. The thing that honours them they they decided to earlier they set up a massive Palestinian stand right by it, right next to Downing Street. It's just displays of relentless colonialism. But but all right, who 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 was arrested? Um, this is something interesting that, that happened. Who who was arrested at the weekend's protest? Uh, this man shouting racist abuse in Whitehall. He was the only one apparently. Right tonight, he's in custody, arrested on suspicion of inciting racial hatred. Now, of course, I know suspicion is. The yeah. term used until you're prosecuted, but but what but what was he saying? That's that's quite interesting. Let's, uh, let's... It must have been pretty extreme if he was the only one. May Allah's curses be on the infidels. May Allah's curses be on the Jews. Right. Okay. Uh, I, I don't think I think that's cut and dry a little bit, maybe. But I don't think he was the only one. Ex- excuse me for not thinking yeah. everyone involved was. Peaceful, prosperous, and multicultural. <laughs> they, right, they can graffiti Nelson's column. They can protest around the cenotaph. They can have a mass rally in protest and prayer outside of Downing Street. Nothing happens until t- until they start to assault the police officers, and even then, only ten of them. Oh, but the second that one of them starts to insult our precious, precious Jewish community, that's when we have to take action. This is something that Matt Walsh raised with Nikki Haley. So Nikki Haley complained given that she's the war hawk on the presidential campaign at the moment, that all universities that support BDS or Hamas at this time, like Harvard, where I think it was 30 student organizations signed a letter in support of the Palestinians, should be defunded. And Matt Walsh went, where were you for the last 30-odd years when they had anti-white racism on campus? Should that be defunded as well? Question. It, it is only capable of the defense being mounted when you are playing within the intersectional framework of oppressed classes being assaulted. Yeah, uh, just on that, Harvard have lost huge amounts of private donations mm, in the last couple of weeks. Mm. It hasn't happened, for the, to your point, it hasn't happened in the previous years um, when they've been advocating the other things they've been advocating against other groups, you know, for example, you know, white men, for example. None of that got them, yeah, none it, of that it, lost them it, the pen. It was only when all of a sudden everybody realised, oh my God, Harvard's discriminating against, uh, discriminating against the Asians? Oh, well, now they've now they've gone a step too far for yep. me. They can discriminate against white people all they like, but not my precious Asian. And that might be like, something that you that you support, though, Dan. Um, more Asians for Dan. Well, I, I, yeah, more I, Asians I, for Dan. I, well, yes, well, only the women. Um, you, if you I you draw a line, if I might say something slightly contentious as well, that I'm sure will be clipped out of context, but it's because our enemies like to smear us. We've heard endlessly for the last few years about white nationalism being on the rise and Charlottesville and anti-Jewish conspiracy theories and the like. How much fuel do you think it gives to the fire of said anti-Semitic conspiracy theorists if all of a sudden we only care about ethnic tensions, mass immigration, and racial hatred on university campuses when it targets Jews? Because it looks like the power structures only care about Jewish interests rather than a broad brush um, commitment to the principle of anti-discrimination and non-violence. Again, as you said earlier, 
I'm not interested in ethnic conflict. I just think apply the law equally. But this is the outcome that you're going to get. But you can't very careful with the fire you're playing with. You can't apply the law equally because then you'll get unequal outcomes, and they can only be explained by racism. Like when Dan was saying, here's a few simple things that we could do to stop the inflow and turn it into an outflow. One of the other things that you could do, and I know this hurts some of my instincts and some of your instincts, and certainly it hurts some of Josh's instincts, but we have some quite stringent business regulations within this country. Now, those business regulations are not applied evenly depending on the ethnicity of the person who owns the business. If we were to begin to apply and enforce those evenly, you would find that your local row of 12 Turkish barbers in a row would quickly thin out. And the people there who were employing all of their <coughs> cousins would probably decide it's more profitable to return home. Well, speaking of applying yep. the law equally, let's look at one rally that was also had and whether or not you think this constitutes a call for violence. So there was a, there was a fella um, here. This is the Met Police responding to a clip. Just scroll up slightly. There it is. Stop, please. Right, okay. What's the solution to liberate people from the concentration camp called Palestine? Jihad. This is from the Hib Ut Tarhir demonstration. Now, if you're not familiar with that organization, they're a proscribed terrorist organization in Saudi Arabia, the UAE, Germany, China. Not the UK, though, funnily enough. And to read a little bit from their Wikipedia page, quote, once established, the caliphate will expand into non-Muslim areas through invitation immigration, and through military jihad so as to expand the land of Islam and diminish the land of unbelief. Now, Obviously, you're thinking, what far-right website was that pulled from? Their own documents. You can go and check them in the footnotes of the Wikipedia page. So they're openly declaring war. They say Muslim armies on their placards and their banners there. And the Met Police decide to get, nah, it's all right with us, Gov. The word jihad has a number of meanings, but we know the public will commonly associate it with terrorism. Noted Muslim scholars in the Met Police. We have specialist counter-terrorism officers here in the operations room. We have particular knowledge in this area. We have assessed the video filmed at his out to hear a protest in central London today and have not identified any offences arising from the specific clip. However, recognising the way language like this will be interpreted by the public and the visive impact it will have, officers have identified the man involved and will be speaking to him shortly to discourage any repeat of similar chanting. Let me just bring back that point that you made at the beginning of, you know, we are now arresting people who stand there on a street corner and pray silently. Yes. So they are sufficient um, biblical scholars, but they can work out that somebody needs to be arrested because of what they're saying inside their own head on yes. a street corner. But this guy standing next to a, an Islamic army banner, um, putting out a chant, which I can only presume is in favour of um, the, these terrorist attacks, you know, that isn't. Yes. Well, well, it's similar to how, how screwed up is this country? Well, it's, it's similar to how, for instance, the ANC singing Kill the Boer was yes. uh, purely metaphorical. Yes. yes. This, this, is, this is essentially Theresa May quoting her favourite Quranic verse. I bet, if, I bet if Tommy went out on the street and said, and, and basically copied that speech word for word, but just, but just changed the context to be, you know... This is what they were saying. Yeah. Yes, it would be banned. He he would be arrested and jailed. Yeah, John sent me this little video that he decided to tweet out from said organization where some of the speakers at the protest were also speaking at their written conference. Again, prescribed terrorist organization allowed to have an annual conference in Britain. The reason is the power structures agree with it. Just well, on. Hang on. Uh, I, I do actually agree with that bit, though. I was going to say, that, I agree yeah. with the sentiment of what he's saying. Yeah, the, it's, just sure. a it's just a shame you're only allowed to say such things in the UK if Unless you're a member of the like more dissident faction 
of the Tory party. So, so for, for those listening, it, yeah, for those listening, he's basically ranting about the UK will no longer be able to pump its liberal filth with LGBT filth and its feminist filth into the Muslim And presumably world. use NGOs to funnel. Money. Yeah, so I, I actually agree yeah, with that. Yeah, sure, but that's only possible, that's only yes. because he's going to reverse engineer the sewage pipe to allow all the turds from the Muslim world to flow straight into the UK well, yes. rather than turn off and destroy the pipe itself, which I'd much prefer yeah. to do so. Uh, but who are the police policing? Well, there was a gentleman who brought an English flag to the demonstration, and he just said, um, if I get any hint of racism, there will be people be arrested. So you can carry flags akin to the ISIS flag. I saw Callum did a tweet a little while ago. God chanting kill the Jews. Analyzed, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, curse upon the Jews. Uh, we need a global jihad. All well, of those well, things well, are just well, peaceful the, and scholarly. The curse upon the Jews part is maybe the one bit of the, the overstepping the line that might get you in trouble. But if you say anything else, you're fine. Yep. You've got to think, well, okay, what's going on here? The, the police have been trained. So that, that's some young copper who, who's been through all his police training. All his police training is about the worst thing that you can do is racism. Yep. Global jihad is a bit of a no-no, but you know we can overlook it. It's, it's, it's kind of akin to stealing a grape from a greengrocer's. Well, you don't want to be racist, do you? But racism is the highest crime. And, and that is all of the programming that this young officer has been received since day one of signing up. We also, you are being institutionally gaslit because if you observe the fact that the word jihad is synonymous with Muslim violence from an organisation that deliberately says we're going to use military action to subvert the UK and make it mm. part of the global Muslim caliphate, if you observe that is their intention because they say the bloody thing on camera, then you will be gaslit into saying, actually, it's an internal struggle and it just means they're grappling with themselves, bro. Never mind this is in direct response to an actual war going on. And if you notice anything different, you're the racist. Again, it's just disarm you against putting up a fight against the cultural yes. demographic change. Yeah, very well said. That it is All of this, it is a process of disarming us against what's happening. And here's the perfect example of that, just to basically finish up on. The, the, the pub right down from Trafalgar Square, there are a couple of lads that had the England flag in there. Now, again, I don't know exactly what group they came from. This is not stated in any of the videos, etc. Um, Big Baz walking through the door there to Stone Cold Steve Austin's music, I presume. But the police are just standing outside they're not preventing the mob of banner-clavered youths, part of the protest, that obviously have the intent to besiege the pub and attack the occupants. No arrests happening there when they're standing outside demonstrating their intent to attack. And it's because they are mandated to stand between them. But frankly, it's hard not to suggest that they wouldn't rather be out of the way and allow the chips fall where they well, might. Well, I, I reckon it's probably necessary because Baz could take all that lot. To oh, yeah. Let's, let's, let's be honest. Like Gandalf be a, the Urukai. You're, you're, I'm not trapped in here with you. You're trapped in here <laughs> with me, lads. That would be that situation because you just know that there's probably a row of four or five extra Bazes. And that's like, yeah. that, that's like, how do you quantify infinity? A, yeah. a, phallic, a phallics of, of bazes, yes. <laughs> Final one to mention, this is something that you forwarded to me, just in case you weren't convinced that your power establishment hates you. Um, one of the Hamas leaders got a council house recently. He's been here since 1990s. This is fugitive Mohammed Kasim Sawalha, and he fled to the UK in the 1990s and bought a council house and got a £112,000 discount on top of it. This is why you can't afford property in London, and it, because as well as housing... A, a lot of Somalis for free in yep. London. Yeah. They're also giving council housing to actual t fugitives um, in your capital city. Well, let's not be unfair to Nima Parvini's lookalike. Let's read his. Let's read well, his. I was, was going to say jihadi Q from Star Trek, but yeah, it could be that. Yep. So he he 
When he arrived in the UK, of course he, oh, he didn't cut all ties, oops, he continued to work for Hamas, holding secret talks about revitalizing terrorist acts in Israel and helping to launder money to support activities in Gaza and the West Bank, according to a US Department of Justice indictment in 2004. So we've known about him in 2004. Again, gets a council house. Recently, as 2019, he took part in the official Hamas delegation to Moscow, where he met Vladimir Putin's deputy foreign minister, served on Hamas's Politburo between 2013 and 2017. Uh, He was pictured with Ismail Hanayi, the leader of Hamas in 2020 and, uh, 2010 and 2012. He later became director of Finsbury Park Mosques, where he took over after Egyptian Islamist Abu Hamza, you know, hook-handed man. So, obvious moderate, great representative of the community. I'm so glad we've imported all of these people in here that want to destroy our country, and I'm really happy that some Middle Eastern ethnic religious conflict is happening in my home city. Thanks very much, government. All right. Sorry about depressing you, boys. No, that's all right. I'll depress us all even further because I think this actually ties in quite nicely with my segment. And if it's going to go a little bit long, because we've gone a bit long so far, I reckon we maybe just extend the comments section a little bit. Yep. If, Why not? If, if we right. have to. We've got a bit more freedom to do that now. So on the basis of uh, anarcho-tyranny, the misapplications of laws, the complete... Um, asymmetry of the applications of laws. One of the things, if you've been paying any attention to American politics over the past few years, is that you know that supposedly a lot of young, gifted black men, often architects, scholars, some people just going for a casual jog, have been murdered for no reason by both white men, civilians, and white police officers. One of the most successful pieces of propaganda that we've had over the past few years is the campaign to remember their names. Even in the UK, BLM and other organizations have had such an impact that we are able to know the names of many of these people. And Al Jazeera, the most trustworthy of news news organizations, has this handy-dandy interactive um, image scroller here where you can know their names. Black people killed by the police in the US. So this is remembering the, the, the joggers, is it? This is remembering all of these people who were just on the cusp of winning a Nobel Peace Prize or yes. making some kind of breakthrough in science. Being very present fathers. To, to, to be fair, if this was set up after the BLM protests, they probably all got quite a stash of Nikes at home. Perhaps, perhaps. But a lot of these names, some of them I don't remember, but then you can find the ones that you absolutely will remember. George Floyd, everybody knows George Floyd's yep. name. George Floyd, what happened to him, his death, which I will not be saying was a murder, but his death was one of the things that kickstarted all of these protests in 2020 and all of the riots to the point where we had protests going on in the UK. They did not erupt into the same levels of violence. But for some reason, I, Connor, Dan, all know about the fentanyl and meth-assisted overdose of a former career criminal whilst in the custody of the Minneapolis, Minnesota Police Department, specifically Derek Chauvin while he was being held in a restraint position that was actually pretty normal for what they're taught as police officers. Breonna Taylor, a woman who was in the apartment of her boyfriend, who was a drug dealer, who was being investigated by the police, who, when receiving a knock on the door from the police late at night, decided to, because he thought it was a rival gang, uh, he decided to open fire, and she got caught in the crossfire as the police fired back. Can I mention George Floyd very quickly? Because yes, this is on. on Al Jazeera, and Al Jazeera is funded by the Qatari government. Yes. Also 
fund. Hamas. Are you saying that these people might be quite subversive and want to sow dis- um, sow instability within the West? Well, in the recent Israeli-Palestinian conflict, Hamas did bring up George Floyd as oh, an yes, example of, of why the US can't comment about racism. And the Chinese did the same thing at the UN when the US mentioned about the weak concentration camp. So this is a crowbar for America's and the broader West's enemies to use to beat them over the head with a cudgel of not living up to their own standards. Yep. Michael Brown. Ugh. Let's not forget that one. the original BLM martyr. Hands up, don't shoot, is not what happened. Michael Brown, a man who was trying to assault a police officer who had gunpowder residue on his hands after he was shot because he was trying to wrestle the gun away from a police officer, which, hate to break it to people, if you are in the process of trying to wrestle someone's gun away from them and you are at such a distance where you can actively touch it, you are no longer classified as unarmed as far as I'm concerned, because you have the potential snatching that gun, turning it back on the person. But we know these people's names. For some reason, I am in the position where I have to know the names of a few of these people, because it's so important that I know that Dante Wright was someone killed by the police. But that's how successful this campaign has been. And I think that we, the dissidents, should have a similar campaign, that we really need to know the names of the people who have been victimized by those like Michael Brown, by those like George Floyd in his previous career as a career criminal, because yes, they can make these handy-dandy interactive picture galleries of here's all of the people that we say were shot by the police for no particular reason. They were just good boys that didn't do nothing. When you begin to look into it, you start to see that the misapplication, asymmetrical application of the law means that there are a lot more cases that you can find if you dig into local news of people who are white, who have been victimized by black communities where the people who have victimized them have got off of, uh, from it, and a lot of mistrials, mis- misuses of the law, I would say, like with George, uh, George Floyd's supposed killer, Derek Chauvin, who is currently languishing in prison and appealing for his sentence for something that, for a death that realistically, other than the fact that he just happened to be there when it happened, yeah didn't have anything to do with him. Before I get into those details, you should visit the website. One of the things that we like to do recently is have a debate now that we have the new studio that can fit more than two people in it at a time. And you took part in this debate on liberalism on Josh's show, Contemplations, where it's you and Carl v. Josh and Stelios. And I heard that things got a bit more heated than people were expecting. They were they were unexpectedly contentious. Me, myself and, and Carl enjoyed it very much. I, I, Josh did say he had a headache at the time, so he brought them feeling under the weather. But we covered so much hey, content. He, doesn't, he does look a bit what, fed up here. What was, your, like, what was your proposition that you were arguing? Oh, liberalism's basically destroyed everything. Okay. And, and well, Stelios, against was, that. Stelios an ardent defender because he's still a political liberal. Um, so we were. You, you say it like a slur. Yeah. I, I, I love Stelios and we want the same world. I just think he's sorely mistaken. We went over exactly why each other's positions, we, we didn't think they were tenable. And we went over so much that we're actually going to do a part two. That... When you say liberalism, you mean liberalism in the, in the English and sort of European perspective, not the, not the American's perspective? Uh, Josh was defending the American perspective. Okay. Stelios was defending the political tradition. Carl and I were saying that they have politically metastasized and yeah. elongated based on their original premises into a universal acid that's destroying all traditions yeah. and social So lib- liberalism is, is kind of um, societal autoimmune disease where you lose your ability to defend against foreign invaders? Exactly. Yeah. That's it. See, Dan's on yeah. side already. Yep. 
there you go. So if you're interested in watching that, you can sub subscribe to the website for as little as £5 a month, and that'll give you access to all of the videos that we've got on there and all of the articles. We do lots and lots of videos and lots of work on here that we put a lot of work into, so you won't regret it, trust me. But what I wanted to highlight was I saw this, and this is from a case from 2021 that was well, it was judged in, tr in court last year at the end of 2022, but it really made me think that there are so many cases of situations like this where somebody was basically just defending themselves against an aggressive attacker who happened to be black, who happened to be from a protected minority, defends himself. In the course of defending himself, the other person ends up dead. And because of the fact that you defended yourself against the protected minority, you have to be punished for it. You need to be held up as a political persecution to let everybody know what happens if you mess with the, uh, the order as it exists right now. Because I am yes, you are no, who are a great account that you should follow on Twitter, um, was involved, uh, posted this image. And this, this is a gentleman called Barry Washington Jr. And here's his TikTok where he states, if your boyfriend white, you single to me, F Timmy gun do. And he seemed to live up to that statement, which is that I will harass your girlfriend if you're a white guy, because I think that you're not going to do anything about it. So he decided he was going to take the F around route. And this gentleman here, Count Dankula by the looks of it, Ian Cranston, Count Dankula's American cousin, decided that he was going to administer a healthy portion of find out because he shot this gentleman uh, because as this headline so eloquently states, because he gave his girlfriend a compliment. I suspect there's a bit more to it. There is they're, a, they're trying to position this in an Emmett Till situation, aren't they? Yes, they are trying to. As Seriously, as, as far as you look into every single case of something like this, as far as I have looked into, Emmett Till is the only one, and that's going all the way back to Jim Crow era South in the 1950s. It's the only one that you could even remotely make a case for it being an unjustified murder. And even then, there are a lot of complications in it, which suggest that the it's not justified, but suggest that the case itself was a lot more nuanced. For instance, the involvement of two black men in his murder. Right. People don't often report on that, but iHypocrite has a number of good videos on it that you should watch if you want a better perspective of what was going on. And uh, people were saying in the comments something like this, his compliment was actually, hey, wanna F, and then got hostile after being told to go away. And I decided to look a bit more into this and saw that people have been commenting on it, saying that the U United States government doesn't recognize a right to self-defense if the assailant is black. Let's read through yeah. a bit of these highlighted paragraphs from an article which I've got in the next link. This, this is the most relevant information, though. So the sentencing, and this was going on at the end of last year, ends with what has been one of Central Oregon's most high-profile trials in recent years. It's been more than 14 months since Cranston shot Washington, an unarmed black man, unarmed always being a very, very slippery term in these situations, following an altercation between the two outside the Capitol Bar in downtown Bend. Prosecutors have said the fight began between them after Washington flirted with Cranston's fiancée, Alison Butler. In the trial, Cranston's defense team argued that their client acted in self-defense, noting that, and there is no refutation of this, this is confirmed, and if you look at the photos, you can see he was bruised because of this, Washington had punched Cranston twice in the head before shots were fired, and that Cranston feared significant in injury if Washington punched him again. It's a Trayvon Martin situation. Of that it is. George Zimmerman caught him prowling around. He'd already been excluded from school because of burglary, so he had a reason to suspect criminal activity. Let's not forget as well that George Zimmerman was smeared 
outright by the media who later went on to admit that they had uh, uh, edited the phone call that George Zimmerman yes. had made to the police by editing out all of the parts that made it clear that he wasn't a racist. They no, edited just... together different lines of the discussion to make it sound like he was just, oh, he's a black guy, so therefore I'm suspicious. He was providing a description to the police to be accurate so they could arrive on scene. And as soon as George Zimmerman asked Trayvon Martin what he, what he was doing there, Trayvon jumped on top of him and started slamming his head into the concrete, at which point Zimmerman feared for his life and shot Trayvon Martin. But he was just wearing a hoodie, bro. If, if I was Barack Obama, I, believe... I would have a son just like Trayvon. I believe Zimmerman was confirmed by a medical examiner to actually have skull fractures because his head had been slammed against wow. the, uh, the concrete I, so I didn't hard. Even know that. You know, it, once again, all you need to do, what is best to do is to avoid going and looking at the mainstream reporting of these events mm. after it's happened, after it's turned into a national sensation. What it's best to do is try and find the local publications for yeah, where, these citizen, where these incidents took place and you'll often get far more accurate reporting on them yeah. than anything that you get from somewhere like CNN which will do its utmost to avoid giving you the most important details. Well, the, the Scott Adams line of course and this is, is is get the hell away from them but you know as we discussed in the previous segment um, They're coming to that, you. Yeah they're coming to you. Yeah, so I'll just carry on because there is more relevant information here. Prosecutors argue that the single shot that night came 30 seconds after Washington punched Cranston and criticized Cranston's choice to carry a firearm while he was drinking. Well, it turned out to be a good idea because if he was looking to defend himself, you take it. It's like having a fire extinguisher in your house. Yeah. You don't want to use it. It's like having insurance. You don't want to use it, but it's nice to have it just in case you do need to use it. The next line is mental. They pointed out that he appeared to be smoking a cigarette immediately after the shooting because this whole thing was caught on security cameras and I've seen yeah. part of the footage. And it is quite remarkable how they're just having a conversation and then out of nowhere, Washington just bam, punches him straight in the face and then does it again. And they miss out some context in here as well, even. Uh, but because of the fact he smoked a cigarette immediately after, uh, that means he wasn't afraid of his safety. That's totally justifiable. He's obviously stressed because he's just had to shoot someone in self-defense and he's waiting on scene until the, on police, the police and medics so, arrive. Yeah, I would, take, I would smoke a cigarette. Uh, what they're missing out from here in this particular article, which I had to get from other sources, uh, was that Cranston's defense attorney said that he and his friends attempted to de-escalate the situation that Cranston fired his gun only to prevent Washington from punching him again. He also alleged that in those 30 seconds between the initial punch and him shooting him, Washington not only punched Cranston's friend, but also pun uh, pushed his fiance. So the woman he was trying to hit on in the first place, he was assaulting her as well. Just a good boy. Didn't do nothing. And the funny thing is, right, is if this was a white guy who said, you know, went went up to some random woman and said, Do you want to F and started hassling? You know, if it ever came to then national attention. Then it counts as self-defense. Yeah. If it if it ever came to national attention, he would be smeared as, you know, lecherous and, you know, cancellation. And this is another new E2 example. Round the clock BBC coverage of toxic masculinity. Yeah, it's it's like all that it's all the time. The 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 same circumstances are dependent entirely on the race well, of, if, the, of if, the individuals. If involved. you are an administrative managerial state that adheres to what I would consider to be satanic principles, and you have a population which are basically your client population, which you use to terrorize your political opponents whenever it's time for an election round, um, you mm. don't apply standards the same way. Why would you apply standards the same way? Oh, these people behave in ways that I find repre uh, reprehensible. Well, too bad. They're useful to me. Mm. So I don't care. It's useful to point it out to the people who aren't initiated into understanding that double standards are there for are the political point. expediency. But if all we ever do is say, 
well, imagine if the roles were reversed, you're going to get that engraved on the Here Lies Conservatism tombstone. Yeah, yeah, that'll be your epitaph on your gravestone. There's more information here just because it's funny how it's always the emotive arguments. The facts do not matter. It's the emotive arguments of multiple members of Washington's family addressed the court in Cranston on Monday and shared emotional testimonies of the impact of Washington's life and killing. Washington had only recently... I don't care if you're a saint. If everything that you did up until the point of assaulting someone for no reason was you saved puppies, you fed the poor, you did this and that, well, as soon as you enter into the situation, as soon as you initiate violence against someone and escalate it to the situation where you forced someone to defend themselves, they are completely justified in defending themselves. doesn't matter if you lived a saintly life before. Your actions Which determine didn't. the consequences. He certainly did not, and we'll get into that in a moment. Lawanda Roberson. What? His mother. We need to stop. We, we... She's named after a Pokemon. Right. Rayquaza Jackson. Yeah, I know that that this might be a somewhat controversial statement, but black Americans, like, man, what are you doing with names? Seriously, Lawanda? Lawanda Robeson. All right, okay. And we'll get onto some more absurd names in a moment. His mother said it was clear that uh, that Cranston killing her son was a racist act. Being assaulted by a black man automatically equals you racist, though. Get your ke- head kicked in for progressivism. It's well, I love the next line. Interesting. I love the next line as well. Does anyone think that Cranston would have even noticed my son if he was not black? So if he was, say, for example, a white man who'd punched him twice, he probably wouldn't even notice. He'd be like, oh, what's, what's going on here? Yeah, take my girlfriend and have a good night, yeah. sir. No. No, that's, that's not. And that other members of his family said they didn't believe that 10 years, because he was found guilty, and he was given 10 years for this, at least 10 years without probation. He's serving multiple sentences on top of one another, so ten years minimum without probation. Right, and and in order to get um, in order to get out, he's going to ex- have to express remorse for having defended himself and his girlfriend, his his fiance. So they, you know, engaged, scheduled to be married for the next ten years. He is not able to fulfill those vows that he God. made uh, that, that that he was going to make for her. She is going to have to be, and I'm not going to say anything about her character because I'm sure in this situation that she's grateful. That she uh, that he stood up for her, that he defended her, that he defended her family, but uh, the, the, their friends. But in this situation, it would be rare to find even the most virtuous of person who is going to wait ten years. I hope she does. Mm-hmm. I hope he can get out sooner than that. I hope they can get married. But in the terrible situation like this, he will be very lucky if he doesn't get out of prison and his entire life is com- turned upside down, which it already is. Well, and, and also with the US prison system, he, he's basically been subject to God knows how many rapes inside jail as well Yeah, for, for defending his girlfriend. Especially with the racial discoloration of his particular case. The black gangs in prison probably won't treat him kindly. And uh, would, wouldn't you know, there was political pressure from it the second this incident came to the news because Washington's death spurred protests after the shooting and during the entirety of the trial, with many pointing to the similarity between his death and other unarmed black men killed across the country. Yes, that, that there are many similarities, that which uh, they started it, and B, they found out. They effed around, they found out. That's the only similarity between every one of these, because once again, apart from maybe Emmett Till, every single one of these incidents is this. this there's like a template. There's a template that they go on, Black man accosts white man, aggresses, escalates situation, finds out. Black man gets pulled over by police for parking violation, for speeding violation. 
White men would have got out of the car and said, I'm sorry, officer, and obeyed what they were saying. Black man escalates the situation, gets shot. Every single time is, is this happens. And obviously, this isn't the case for every single person. But when we get such a deluge of, know their names, know their names. Dante Wright, what happens? Is what you're, what Dante you're doing, Wright, Harry, is Dante, pattern recognition. I know. Dante Wright, for instance, shouldn't have been shot. Obviously, it's a mistake that the woman who shot him was reaching for her taser and shot him in the first place. But why did he escalate to the situation where she even felt she needed to use her taser? Yep. Why did he not obey the officer's instructions? These are the questions that you're not allowed to ask. And uh, there's even better in the article that this all came from, which is the henpecking female judge. Imagine my shock, the one who sentenced him to at least 10 years. Yep, he's a... Uh, the Bagley, Judge Beth Bagley, spoke to Cranston before announcing the sentence, saying that she imagined he would have acted differently on the night of the shooting if given another chance. Yeah, you'd have just let your girlfriend go off with another guy. <laughs> you violently assaulted. If, if given the chance, that would have been the smart thing to do. I can't imagine how you w couldn't want to do it differently, henpacking. Everybody here lost, some more than others. Yes. Who's Cranston, that below? Is that the judge? That, uh, this is the... This is the this is Cranston. This oh, okay. is the guy. This is the kid who went to prison. God, he's just a young lad as well. I know. Bagley ruled that Cranston's various sentences would run concurrent to one another. Oregon's mandatory minimum laws require that Cranston serve all 10 years of his sentence with no chance of parole or having the sentence lessened because he was yep. found guilty, convicted. Right to self-defense removed because he's... Five right. counts related to the shooting, including first-degree manslaughter, second-degree manslaughter, first-degree assault, even though he was the one defending himself, and two counts of unlawful use of a deadly weapon. I don't know if it's possible, because obviously this was a state court, not a federal crime, but day one, someone needs to slide his case across President Trump's desk. Yeah. Notice this black eye. This is when he was arrested for the situation, because it turns out that after getting caught on camera being punched in the face, that he had a black eye from it. So his side of the story is completely vindicated, as far as I'm aware. But once again, you can never find, it's, it's never... It's never an Emmett Till. It's never a Rosa Parks. It's never just an innocent person who had no backstory, no history, because this guy, Barry Washington Jr., had a bit of a character to him. Prosecutors right. in the homicide trial, and this is before the, uh, the court case started, want to exclude evidence that they say could unfairly portray the shooting victim, Barry <laughs> Washington Jr., in a poor light including synced videos of the incident, you know, those things that make it easier to tell what actually went on. They wanted to completely control the narrative and just lie. Presumably. So video evidence of the actual incident is not allowed? They were trying to That's prevent that information. An account of his behavior with Bend police and a California conviction for eluding a police chase at speeds of up to 100 miles an hour, presumably taking after his hero, Rodney King. The state is seeking to exclude evidence that Washington swore a police officer on the night he was shot, according to court documents. So this kid was already in a very uh, agitated state, shall we say. The defense argues that it's relevant information because it shows that he was angry on the night of the shooting and suggests that Cranston was justified in defending himself. The defense also filed documents that describe an August 16th, 2020 incident when California Highway Patrol officers attempted to stop Washington as he was driving in Citrus Heights, California, Washington ignored police, exceeding speeds of 100 miles an hour while driving through red lights as police pursued him for approximately five and a half miles. According to these court documents, officers apprehended him after he got a flat tire. So the only thing that stopped him 
was the fact that he got a flat tire and put himself in danger. I, I, just, I just want to comment wait, wait, on the wait, level wait. of evil. Let, 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 let me just yeah. finish. Okay. At this point, officers say that Washington threw bullets out of the car. Officers say they also found a rifle magazine with ammunition in the car, inside the car, which Washington said he did not own or know about. It just happened to be there, Mr. Officer, sir. Yeah, I just wanted to comment on the level of evil of the, of the, of the state in this case, who are quite clearly trying to rig a, and successfully rig a trial to send an innocent man to jail for you know, their client group. And that was done obviously conscious. Political persecution. We've got to remember that Kyle Rittenhouse, as much of a miracle it was that he managed to be acquitted, yeah. was the exception. In spite there, of the processes of the justice system, he was acquitted. There were dozens of minor cases of Kyle Rittenhouse's that didn't get the same treatment, that didn't get the same media coverage, that did get sent to prison. Didn't get the same level of lawyers. For defending themselves. Yeah, didn't get the same support from people, didn't get the same Second Amendment rights given to him. They were just all thrown in jail and just throw the key away. So this kid has lost at least 10 years of his life because he defended himself and his friends from a hostile black guy, and there was the political pressure to destroy his life because blacks apparently can't be held accountable for their activision actions. The activists, as far as I'm concerned, the judge and the lawyers would prefer that you die to arbitrary random attacks and violence from blacks and uh, then allow you to defend yourself because apparently black lives don't just matter, they matter far more than yours ever could. And here's some examples of that because Scott Greer, who is someone I don't, I don't think I follow on Twitter and I know he can be a bit hit and miss. This is actually a very good article from his um, Substack where he talks about the case, but he goes on after he's spoken about the case to list a few examples of other very similar situations. While an Oregon jury found Cranston guilty, a California jury couldn't reach the same verdict for two self-professed killers earlier this month. Fantasy Daycare. Oh, come on. And Lamonti Mims. Once again, we've got to stop with these names, guys. We've gone crazy here. Robbed and killed 71-year-old Ed French, a white man in San Francisco back in 2017. The fatal shot was caught on camera. The pair did not deny that they were responsible for French's death. And their defense lawyers said that they shouldn't be held responsible. The legal team presented some very odd arguments to support this. DeCure's lawyer said that she was suffering a sickle cell crisis and opiate withdrawals, so she was literally with, in, in withdrawal and having a sickle cell crisis when she fired the gun. Additionally, he pointed to her low IQ and lack of adaptive functioning. So race and IQ is perfectly fine if it means we get to acquit black criminals, apparently. Uh, right. I mean, this is uh, double standards, and I don't want to just go double standards, but it is quite shocking just how far they can go if it's in defense of their precious client class. Um, so they say that she couldn't possibly have been conscious of what she was doing. The argument apparently convinced some jurors the two were only found guilty of robbery charges that covered French and other victims. It's now common for American juries, he says here, and district attorneys to absolve blacks of responsibility for their murders. And he highlights some examples that he gave in a Revolver article. So I'll just list some of these because this is just how far the how extensive it is the misapplication and asymmetry asymmetry of the way that laws in America are are handled if you're black versus if you're white three black men involved in Ethan Liming's 2022 beating death saw their murder charges reduced to lesser offenses one of the participants was only sentenced to 180 days in jail a black man in Iowa was found not guilty of murder last year for his role in the death of his white girlfriend he severely beat her 
and she fell from her apartment balcony during the assault. She died from the fall. The jury found that the black man was not responsible for the death, only for the assault. Kansas City officials... She made choices. Kansas City officials refused to press murder charges against a black woman who shot and killed an off-duty white firefighter. The firefighter confronted her boyfriend after he threatened a gas station clerk, another angel. The boyfriend fought the white man, but the fight was not going well for him. The girlfriend shot the firefighter, which authorities determined was self-defense. So I'm glad to know that self-defense rights are given to some people in the U.S. A black man in South Carolina was, not found, was found not guilty in 2021 after shooting and killing a white retired voluntary volunteer fire chief as the victim sat in his car. The shooter claimed that the victim startled him, and that was sufficient explanation to find him innocent of murder. A black man in Florida was sentenced to house arrest in 2022 over the fatal beating of a white man who called him a slur. Prosecutors felt the punch that killed the 77-year-old victim merited a lenient sentence because the victim, uh, victim repeatedly used possibly the most aggressive and offensive term in the English language because blacks in America, if assaulted, verbally assaulted with the N-word, aren't expected to be able to manage their emotions, control their feelings, and be able to step over it and move past it. Yes. You are basically signing your death warrant. I mean, and just, the US state will, will sign off on it. They'll go, yep, earned it. So, sorry, so he called you the N-word, he asked side. for it. If you punch somebody twice after telling them that you're going to F their girlfriend. And then punch their friend and then assault the girlfriend yeah, as well. That you're expected to, to shrug off. Somebody calls you a slur that, um, that you use yourself all of the time and in the rap music you listen to, death sentence. Yes. Well, it all depends on the color yes. of the person using that word. And for one last case, mm. prosecutors in Florida dropped charges in 2017 against a black man who beat his white math tutor to death after the victim allegedly used a racial slur. The prosecutor's office felt it had no competent evidence to rebut the defendant's claim that he was provoked into violence and said that the slaying was not done in a cruel and unusual manner. Now, I would consider that beating anyone to death just for saying a word at you is cruel and unusual, but apparently Florida has done this twice. In Florida, it's a death sentence Yep. To say the game off by the state to say the N word at a black and, and, and even if I they, wouldn't recommend anybody do that anyway because nope. it's just crass and unnecessary. Yep. But, but, but even still. if you did, you could just claim it afterwards. You you could basically just kill somebody with impunity and say, ah, oh, well, they said the magic word. That well, particularly if the judge slash prosecutors decide not to admit video evidence as they keep trying to do. Yep. They, there you go. So, yeah, they're not held to the same standards as you and I. And as far as I'm concerned, if things carry on like this in the US, the black communities talk about how they have the talk with their own kids where you say, listen, police are going to be violent against you. They're going to want to try and kill you. They're going to do this and that. There's going to be a white equivalent, which is that the state are more than happy to assist black people in victimizing you. And if you do anything to defend yourself, you will probably go to prison. So you're going to have to behave very cautiously. You might have to start doing that with your own children, depending on the, the demographics of where you live. That's a shocking and horrible thing to have to say, but it's just the truth of it. The only th other thing I wanted to highlight was that at the moment, Derek Chauvin has been in prison for a few years now, and you have disgusting articles from the Mirror basically gloating about it because he is a political prisoner, mm. saying like, oh, he's bloated, he's it's unsafe, he's balding, he's in a bed of concrete, he's constantly in solitary confine, uh, confinement for 23 hours a day for his own safety because of the circumstances of his imprisonment and his uh, career as a police officer means that he's in constant danger 
but he is currently going for appeal. And we'll see what happens there because they're going to take it. The, the Minnesota Supreme Court said, no, we're not going to take this on. So they're trying to appeal all the way to the US Supreme Court. And they're using things like the fact that the county courthouse it took place in was heavily fortified. There was jury intimidation. Oh, yeah. And one of the jurors who named himself afterwards as Brandon Mitchell was an actual BLM protester. So he did not get a fair trial. The political situation around this was not fair. And he is the figurehead, as far as I'm concerned, for the complete miscarriage of justice, yeah. which characterizes modern day America and a lot of the rest of the West as well. So we need to remember their names. There are people in the US and elsewhere who have been murdered, victimized, falsely imprisoned just for the sake of protecting the feelings of violent criminals. And we need to remember their names because as far as I'm concerned, they're the ones that matter. I so want Clarence Thomas to write the ruling opinion on that. I want. I would love that. But yeah, should we go into the video, video comments comment and then, and then we've got comments. some written comments. Being your average lotus eater, of course I code. I've been in the games industry for over 20 years and I've been an indie developer for over 10. Yes, Gamergate really sucks for indies if you had the wrong politics. I also suffered trauma from watching V Victus placing individual trees for his necromancer game. Damn it, Carl, there are tools for that. Nice. Yeah. Um, I suppose we always need people that are going to make different cultural products that aren't infected with intersectionality. So good luck, mate. I just want fun yeah, games. Luck. So if you're making the fun games, that's good by me. We are we are releasing more games related content very soon. We have two yes. videos in the works that I hope yeah. you'll all be happy with. I mean, we're technically out of time, but I reckon we can run over a bit, can't we? Do some comments. Yeah, of course we can. Yeah, yeah we, we can run over by So, Ethelstan says the Hamas footage should not be censored. They proudly uh, published that and let and people should see the reality of what faces the West. Yeah, exactly. We we saw the hot. Yeah, the good point. We saw the Holocaust images in school because uh, it was understood that images are powerful. Same with images of Vietnam. The media uh, coddling seems to start with falling man for one reason or another. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, that, I mean, that's that's where I'm in this. If if we can be shown. Um, Holocaust footage all the time. Mm. Why can't we see what um, what other groups do? Decidedly, well, nothing from the Holodomor, though. Well, well, mm. because one one type of footage is used to tell Europeans that you're all guilty, and the yeah. other type of footage isn't. Yeah, which is you should not be opening your borders, kind of thing. Exactly right. Uh, Mr. Ward says, uh, no surprise we suffer from perpetual energy crises when the world's government spends so much of our natural resources gaslighting the public. Aha. We need to switch to renewable oil well spinning in his grave. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's been a bit of that recently, isn't there, with um, the, the the Russian thing. Although maybe Hamas has, has, has ended the Ukraine war in the same way that Ukraine war ended COVID. No, because Biden's using a giant foreign aid package to give billions to both at the same time. Oh, yeah, he's trying to bundle it into one bill, isn't he? Yes. Yeah, so mainly because Kevin yeah. McCarthy got ousted as House Speaker over Ukraine funding. Um, yeah. Uh, Le French EU Reaper says Ursula talking about strict rules around transparency and accountability is ridiculous considering her buying uh, 10 billion doses of COVID vaccine. Uh, yes, quite right. And um, let's just finish up with uh, Mr. Power who says once again, the state acts under a god hubris. EU. Uh, we now have perfect information. We can execute perfect judgment and we will never, ever, ever be wrong about anything ever again. How dare you think otherwise, you stupid pleb. So one from the honourable mentions bit before I dive into the one from my section. This is Le French EU Reaper. Welcome back, Connor. Thank you very much. Nice name. Did you get to experience the Japanese degeneracy and will you cover it in a future video? Now, I did have a segment planned to talk about how we need to be more like Japan. 
Mm. But, of course, the recent events of random Arab war took precedence, so I decided to cover that today. Uh, I've, I've got it lined up for some point, not sure when it's pertinent, but actually, the degeneracy out there barely exists. Well, it's I know, an export. It used to be really notorious that they had the dirty panty vending machines. There's only one. I think they've got rid of those anyway. I think I think there was only one as a novelty and it was blown up into a story, which, again, that's gross. Like, so is the vagina ice cream that one but still, but, but Japan, um, to give it in brief, all the trains run on time. Very considerate. There are vending machines everywhere and no public bins, but there's no litter anywhere because people actually care about the place they live in. Like, there is a deep cultural sentiment. Sure, they have their own social problems. I'll be going over that in the script I've got written, but they are basically the British of the East. Can you explain vagina ice cream? Is that some sort of thrush treatment or something? Or Dan might have a new favourite flavour. Oh. I'm sure it tastes lovely, but it's just a bit weird to order. Anyway, point being, right. Athelstan, as it pertains to the word jihad, I'm a bit tired of seeing people like Majid Nawaz defend it as free speech. You cannot tolerate the intolerable. I will not defend the free speech of anyone who, given power, would impose censorship by the pain of death. Yes. Yes, maybe historically and theologically jihad has many meanings. Eh, but we know the common use for it in the modern age, and we know what particular Islamists meant by the term. Part of this as well is that if your religion has a principle which allows you to lie to non-believers, takia, in order to further the goals of said religion, I will not believe you when you say a more charitable interpretation. I'm going to take the least charitable interpretation, particularly because you describe yourself as an army. So, Excuse me if I'm being uncharitable there, but I quite like my country to not be besieged by a foreign horde. Um, Pete, not the one from the office, I'm sure. If jihad means struggle, crusade is a campaign for political social change. Deus fault is just the will of God, and Mein Kampf is just my struggle. The Mott and Bailey is the foundation of medieval architecture. Yes. Well, I mean, the crusades were defensive wars, so let's not get too into that. Oh, I'm so glad you're finally on my side. Grant Gibson, I wrote to the community note over the weekend that said, it's not like you can be gay in Palestine. There's an LGBT for Palestine group. There was a link. I clicked it. Friends, the pro-LGBT Palestine group is located in Israel. <laughs> oh, that's well, amazing. They did, they did have a chapter in Palestine, but all of their meetings took place on top of a skyscraper mm. and then finished at the bottom of said skyscraper. Mm. Brandon Toms, the important question is, why should the native population be the ones to undergo an exodus? They should be fleeing across the channel in terror, just like any other barbarians that, that invade. Yes, totally agree, until such a time where our political class is replaced to facilitate that happening and deporting them via trebuchet because it's carbon neutral. You yep. can just only defend your family. But, but instead, the ruling class is trying to uh, replace us before we can replace them. Yes, quite right. Harry? All right, MC says, when Obama was elected, I was in school and lived most in a mostly black area. Anti-white racism exploded. They talked about how it was over for white people and how they'd be able to get away with everything. In hindsight, it seems like they were right. It's I'm, never been more over. I'm sorry to hear about that. Kevin Fox, 10 years. Wow, you only get a sentence like that if you're A, white, B, put your feet up on Nancy Pelosi's desk. Isn't there at least still at least one Jan Sith guy still in jail awaiting trial over a thousand days? I wouldn't be shocked. Josh or... spoke to Jacob Chancellor. Go check yeah. that update out. Also, anyone see the Palestinian protesters invading the Cannon building on Capitol <laughs> yes. Hill? Is that yes. not an insurrection? Or is that just no, a right? No, yep, that doesn't count, that one. Differing standards for differing groups. Lord Nerevar, in a functioning system, Chauvin would now be immediately retried, released, and given a healthy stipend of cash for false imprisonment. But Directly from BLM. Yes. Because uh, directly from Patrice Cullors, I would like, mate, she's got plenty of property to go around. Yeah, she's walking around naked as an art exhibition. Oh, don't remind me. God. But he won't be because the system doesn't work and Chauvin is a political prisoner. Damning evidence be damned. Kevin Fox, regarding not Chauvin, but the other officers present, a whole bunch of DA pro office prosecutors quit because they said there was no case to bring against the other officers. But the Biden bought DA went ahead and persecuted and prosecuted them. Anyway, yes. I saw some uh, reports regarding that as well. I was going to include them, but the segment was already going on for quite a while. 
Omar Awad, I remember when BLM burned down black neighborhoods, causing untold damages and many businesses had to leave permanently. Unironically, blacks most, uh, most affected. If, uh, if only it wasn't also blacks most perpetrated. Very true. Adam Hack Davis, know the name should be replied to by know, know their crimes. The judge needs to be retried, uh, retired as it obviously isn't fit for purpose. That's yeah, good always apply context to the so-called victims. That's very powerful framing. Yeah. George Happ, a lot of conservatives like Greg Gutfield failed the moral test when it came to Chauvin. They cheered as an innocent man went to prison to appease the mob. I think many too will be scared to defend him. Such a Javid tweeting justice, hashtag BLM. I want to slap his bald head. Yeah. Brandon Toms, like Trump said, they're after you. He's just in the way. And finally, Fuzzy Toaster, the way they like to report these things, a black man could attempt to murder someone and then the intended victim could manage to wrestle the weapon off of them, happen to kill them in the struggle, and they'd be charged with premeditated murder of an unarmed black man. The only thing this tells me is efficiently hide the evidence. I can't support something like that, but the uh, sentiment of what you were going for uh, before that was absolutely right. I think that's all we've got time for. We've already run over a little bit. So yep. thank you very much for sticking around with us for these extra eight minutes. I hope they've been worthwhile. And uh, we'll be back again tomorrow at one o'clock English time. Till then, take care. I've got to go and Google some ice cream. <laughs>